everybody, this is Scoots here. This is a cro- another crossover episode. Very exciting. Uh, this is a crossover episode with the podcast XO Higher Self from Bunny Michael. And I got so much out of making this podcast and my conversations with Bunny and been working on it a while because it, it does involve like asking for help and, and Bunny's listeners asking Bunny for help and advice and, and compassionate responses on how to deal with that. Let me just read from the on Bunny's podcast, Exo Higher Self. Bunny answers the listeners advice questions and guides them to their higher self. The manifestation of love within all humans deconditioned by the limitations of ego identity. No topic is off limits as Bunny flips the listeners' perspectives and inspires self-compassion beyond cliche self-love rhetoric. You can submit questions and voice memos, and you can find out more if you search XO Higher Self in your podcast app. You can use the link in our show notes, or you can go to bunnymichael.com. That's bunnymichael.com, and this is the Exo Higher Self Podcast. And I talk a little bit more about it uh, on the episode coming in here, but it is uh, sometimes this is some stuff that uh, some listeners may find a little bit intense, but I've made it very bedtime friendly, and I've tried to be as respectful as I can to to the key messages uh, from the listeners of Bunny's show asking for help, or the listeners of Bunny's show reaching out and Bunny's responses. And then some places where I was able to to identify uh, w- with uh, with with a lot of stuff. So if this kind of show isn't for you, you, you know you're welcome to skip it. But I really found it like uh, listening to, I listened to the episode over and over and over again to prepare. And then I read through the transcript, and then I went through the transcript as a part of the show or the recording process. And each time I found a new layer of, uh, I don't know, powerful tools, uh, because it really aligns with where I am on my own journey of healing and growth and, and, and really kind of being con- interconnected to, to everybody. So it's really important for me to share. I'm really touched and honored. And I hope uh, this, uh, like, uh, that comes through in the show. Uh, and I hope you get something out of it and I hope you discover something new by listening to Bunny's show and you get in touch with your higher self. That's really what it's really about. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. This is Scoots here. Thanks, Scoots, for setting me up there so well. So I'm going to be reading through, and what I'll do is, uh, this is all a transcript from Bunny's show, and you'll be able to listen to the original audio uh, on Bunny's podcast. And I will be changing the transcript. Uh, you know, if you're a Sleep With Me listener, you, you know, I'm going to try to keep things respectful. Uh, but also, you know, stay true to the original intent of the, the author or Bunny's answer. But also keep in mind the needs of Sleep With Me listeners at the same time. Plus, I have the magic editing. So we will see how this goes. And then I'll probably, in, you know, Bunny, it's a kind of conversation between Bunny and Bunny's listeners. But I may identify with some stuff uh, and just to see what comes up. Because I've listened to this audio like four or five times. And there's a lot I identify with. Uh, so, and I think in, in a really empowering ways of, uh, you know, thinking about, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So, um, this is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I've been thinking about writing to you for a while now, and I'm glad I'm doing so because I feel pretty stuck. Uh, the one I'm dealing with is called, uh, you know, golden stuck, uh, 
basically I work in a corporate environment that pays me well. And even though I'm not very happy, I'm compelled to stay because of the salary and the health benefits. And some background on the job, I've been there for five years, but I've been kind of checked out for the past year or so. And I should note that my boss and colleagues are really great. And there are times like I still still really like the work we're doing, but for the most part, I'm pretty tired of being on four to six hours of Zoom calls. There's a lot of projects I'm juggling, managing a team of people. And it's a lot at this point in my life. Uh, also, I should note that I'm the mom of a high-energy four-year-old and I'm 12 weeks pregnant, uh, expecting number two. So that means when I get off work, I shift into mom mode. So it's going from, you know, one running around exhaustion to another. And I'm feeling like I'm too tired to do any of my jobs well. My husband's an artist. He's been running his own business for 15 years. And I we've been talking about it, me leaving my job, being a stay-at-home mom. He wants me to be happy, but we're all thinking about, you know, I'm the breadwinner. And we could probably live off his salary, but it'd be a pretty big adjustment to go from two incomes to one along with the health benefits. And I also worry about what other family members like say might say, like they feel like I'm being irresponsible. And I started having inter- informational interviews with other parts of the company to see if there's other less demanding jobs. But the idea of starting a brand new job, even if it's more entry level, still sounds, you know, like a challenge. And to be honest, I don't even know what I really want. I don't have the space to think about what's next in any real capacity. I've thought about a sabbatical, part-time options, but, you know, that also makes me nervous. And what about the team I work with? I know I need to not be so hard on myself, and, you know, we're dealing with the changes in the world since 2020, and being a parent in the last year and a half has been tough. So any help uh, you can provide would be much appreciated. Thank you so much, Bunny. I love the community you've created and really appreciate all you do. And this is Bunny's response. Uh, hey, hon. Yeah, you have a lot on your plate, and I think it's really brave of you to admit to yourself uh, something needs to change. Anyone that really cares about you wants you to be well. They want what's best for you. You know how to take care of yourself, and you know the way things are now is not sustainable. And I'm concerned the further you go into pregnancy, the more stressful and exhausted you'll be. And I want to remind you, you shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to work less. Our culture puts so much pressure on people that are socialized as women to to be able to handle it all. The job, the kids, keeping up at home. People that are socialized as women who become moms in our society are expected to never complain or be overwhelmed about raising their children. They're expected to sacrifice everything. And they're expected to make it look all easy and pretty on top of that. So it makes sense you're questioning your own needs and feeling worried about being judged. Right now, you have two full-time jobs at your place of employment and being a mom. And of course you're tired. Of course you deserve rest. Not only is that the best for you, but it's also the best for your children. And it is not irresponsible to take care of your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. In fact, it's inspiring to make a bold choice to put yourself first before a job or a project. Your heart is speaking to you, so trust yourself. The first step is accepting that you deserve this. Not only do you deserve this, but so does everybody else. 
Everyone deserves to be able to take care of themselves so they can stay healthy inside and out. So now that we know it's not a question of what you deserve, we can focus on the how. How do you make this work? If you and your husband sat down and tried to figure out what's possible budget-wise if you left your job, what's your spending like now? What are your bills like and what can you cut out? And how much do you actually need a month? And is it possible to get Medicaid or free health care if your household income lowers? I know it's scary, but a lot of this is because of the unknown. If you actually figure out the exact number, you could realistically weigh your options. Definitely look into what the company can offer you part-time or sabbatical. But you shouldn't feel nervous because you've given them a lot and they should absolutely try their best to accommodate you the best way you can. We live in a culture that teaches us what we do for a living is who we are, but it's not. It's how we pay our bills. It doesn't define us. And if you need to take a part-time gig that it gives you more time to actually know what you really want in a career, that part-time gig is an absolute blessing. Remember, what's most important in your inner growth is your ability to maintain a relationship with your higher self. That way you are guided by love, not fear. That way you can get inspired and tap into your potential. Set a goal, make a plan, you can do this. Okay, this is Scoots here. My thing is, um, so um, th- there's a lot of the feelings I identify with and, 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 and then the, I've seen what the advice Bunny is actually giving out work in my own life uh, because I had a full-time job and I was making the podcast and uh, I was also a parent and I was newly sober and, and I only had a couple of years of sobriety and, and I had all those things. And um, actually exactly what Bunny ha- said, someone had to kind of explain to me is what, like, uh, why don't you try to see if you could just cut your hours down to three quarter time at work? Have you budgeted how much you would need to make up for that money and pay your insurance? And then it was like the same thing. But once I got down to halftime, again, just like kind of Bunny explained, I, I was um, being guided by my fears and not specifics or moving through the fear and being guided by love and taking care of myself. And so I was stuck working halftime. I was already had been, even though that was a year long that I reduced my hours down. I was afraid to move past that or even ask. Uh, and I really wanted an external solution, like either to lose my job or something else to happen so I didn't have to make a choice. And very similar, I had a conversation um, with a woman I work with uh, that I look up to, and she said, um, okay, well, like, what's the biggest sticking point? And I, for me, it was insurance. And very similar to Bunny, she said, well, what's the exact number you need? And I didn't have an answer because I didn't know, like I was basing it in fear. I said, there's just, it's impossible. And she said, well, why don't you look up that number? And then she works with a lot of creatives. uh, And she said, in my experience, when people have jobs, day jobs and creative careers, they're building businesses. Usually three things happen when they are like uh, at a point with their day job and they're trying to figure out what to do. She said, uh, and this is just for creatives. I mean, it might apply for other stuff. It probably does. She said either you make a plan and you enact that plan to leave your job. 
and you know and and, and do that in a way that's based in dignity and compassion and, and uh love i guess uh and you plan it out with your job and and you, you you do that plan and you adjust the plan as you need to she said the second thing is you lose your job they uh realize you're not there or you're present and they let you go or you subconsciously do something to cause that and she said the third thing is you have something else that in your life comes up that is so powerful and normally for the most part it's a challenge and and not a, a positive thing because that's like, for me at least, a person that lives in fear, usually pain is the way, for me, this I'm just talking for me. And she goes, and then you have to come to grips with that because you're reassessing all of your life values in the face of this external event. And she goes, which of those three options would you prefer, like, to take? Uh, because, you, you know, if right now you're in a place where none of those, you can choose between those three, which one would you prefer to choose? And I really feel like that in Bunny's answer. Okay, so this is a call, uh, and this is the caller. Uh, and again, I'm be paraphrasing and gently, you know, shifting some of the stuff, but trying to keep with the spirit of all of this. Uh, so anonymous caller, uh, hey, Bunny, I just called and left a short message, but I don't know what to say. I guess it's silly. I'm calling because I have insomnia. And so there will often be times throughout the week, for example, like last night where I didn't fall asleep and maybe got one or two hours of sleep. But there's some nights where I won't sleep at all. And when that happens, I have an especially hard time connecting with my higher self the next day, staying grounded. And I don't even know, I just feel like I could be more in autopilot mode, more reactive. And I'm trying to make a conscious effort not to be. You know, I wake up, I meditate, I journal, I think about how grateful I am and how much I have to learn with from every each and every opportunity that comes that day. And that grounds me and also things like petting my cat or meditating or talking to my partner, things like that. But when this happens several days in a row, you know, I'm exhausted and it can be especially difficult. And I've been trying to work on this with a therapist, but I'm having some issues finding someone over the past year. And I find, think I finally found someone that accepts my insurance. And, you know, that's a privilege. And I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully they can help me with some real coping mechanisms. But, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm asking if you have any advice on ways to stay grounded and calm the mind. The reason why I have such hard sleep problems is I have a lot of racing thoughts and anxieties, ruminating thoughts right when I go to bed that can't keep, can't seem to shut off. And I feel like even when I ground myself and do these things in, and try to stay feel grounded throughout the day, my ego gets super activated and just tells me all these stories about myself and what all these other people must think of me and uh, all these things that don't align with my higher self. And, you know... What I've learned and grown and realized is not necessarily true, even if I can't control what others. And this is Drew interjecting. That message got cut off. And I don't know if the person that wrote this message will even hear my part in it or my listeners' part in it. But just to normalize things, like I think uh, the people from Sleep With Me, the listeners of Sleep With Me, and myself is like uh, identified with almost every single thing you said. And I really know how it feels. Uh, and it's uh, uh, a lot of my experience in here. 
So let's go to Bunny. Uh, this is Bunny. Hey, babe. Uh, your voicemail got cut off in the end, but I think I got the gist of your question. Your higher self is a perspective of love and compassion. And that means compassion for how you're struggling as well. And that means compassion if you're tired, exhaustion, exhausted, anxious, sad, or in a bad mood. Your higher self doesn't judge you. Your higher self doesn't need you to be perfect. Your higher self, self understands this path isn't easy. I'm really happy you're going to work with a new therapist on your insomnia, and I'm sure that therapist will give you some really helpful techniques. I'm really happy about that. And it's amazing you prioritize yourself enough to seek out that support. And what your higher self can help you with is simply being compassionate about that process, right? A lot of times when we're struggling and anxious is when we judge our anxiety like there's something wrong with us. Like what we're going through means we're flawed. So then we're laying in bed anxious that we're anxious, and that only adds another level of anxiety that is hard to let go of. Well, what if you noticed yourself going to that place internally and you said to yourself, I'm okay, there's nothing wrong with me, and I'm safe? All these thoughts are temporary. Ask yourself in those moments what your higher self would say, right? When you're lying in bed and can't sleep, think about what your higher self would tell you. What love and tenderness and acceptance would tell you. Have a go to affirmation that rings true to you. One that comes with, from compassion, not judgment or force, to be anything different than where you are in your journey. Surrender to your higher self of fully accepting you and let yourself off the hook. You are doing everything right, you are getting support, and you will move forward with your healing. You already have a strong practice. You're incredibly self-aware and you care a lot about how you make people feel. You're an amazing sweetheart, and this challenge is not going to limit you and it doesn't define you. In fact, it's paved the way for you to see a therapist, which will help with lots of things you want to work on, not just your insomnia. The techniques you will learn to help quiet your mind, and not just for sleep, but to be more present in all of your daytime. I know you're going to do great, babe. You got this. And uh, I just want to say, like I said, we identified a lot with uh, the, the caller, and there's a lot in here from Bunny's advice that is very powerful. And again, I've seen work in my life and that I struggle with in my day-to-day -day life uh, at bedtime and in the daytime. But the idea of like kind of letting, like having other thoughts, right, uh, like from your higher self uh, that doesn't judge you, that has compassion, uh, that's kind of alongside the other thoughts, the anxious thoughts, because that happens to me a lot during the day. Or bedtime. And the whole idea that your higher self can help you be, that can be compassionate during the process. Uh, because so much of this is, is about process, you know, not perfection or results. Or at least that's what I found for me again. And then, hey, what, what if you say to yourself, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me and I'm safe. And then the idea that thoughts are temporary and feelings are temporary, that is so hard for me on a daily basis, even though I know that. 
And where my thoughts and feelings go a lot of times is to that one day place, uh, at least for me, again, speaking for Drew and Scooter is like one day I'll have the tools or one day I'll have the, the partner or one day I'll change myself in this way instead of, and that's where my thoughts want to go. They want to hook onto these past or present future non-realities for me. And again, my my brain is great at painting these things uh, that are really beautiful or really not beautiful and saying, well, which, you know, and so the idea of just grounding yourself, because that's really what I want for myself. And I think for everyone out there and then hearing Bunny's kind of empathetic response and compassionate response to say, hey, let's find this part of ourselves that is already accepting of ourselves in the moment. Because that is the biggest reward I've found when I get there is just being myself, who I really am in the moment, and accepting others in the same way. Um, that's the kind of life I want to live uh, with boundaries and stuff. But you know what I mean? You, know, you get the gist of it. Okay, so the, on Bunny's show, this next uh, one has some content warnings. So I am going to um, be, be trying to be respectful of the Sleep With Me listeners and get at least to, to the heart of the, this question. And, you know, maybe there will be some editing that you don't hear, but I will be changing stuff around uh, and trying to be respectful at the same time. And, again, if you want to um, check out the original thing, we'll link to, to Bunny's show, too. Uh, and this caller calls in and says, you know, it's difficult to know where to begin. It's very fresh. I listened to episode 48, and the, your response to the voicemail at the end was very touching. And uh, somehow, in a way, I know what this person intended. It's indescribable. They're like, if this just makes you feel better, it touches you, you know, it's like all of that. And I wanted to put my voice into this conversation for a while, but I didn't know what to say. It's been a whirlwind, and I have to remember to take deep breaths, uh, but I know you all are supporting me. And I'm coming out of some a really tough uh, relationship and, uh, like, coping mechanisms that were equally challenging. And, you know, uh, different things, like uh, different behaviors I wasn't comfortable with, uh, and different things I used to, to help comfort myself. And I've moved away from a lot of that. And I live uh, far away from all that. I live in a town over, but it's still affecting my new relationship uh, and my new partner. And, you know, I had to leave my dog. And it was hard stopping drinking alcohol. And all this puts an extreme amount of weight on my family then, my new cultivated family. And, uh, you know, trying to work things out with my partner and, you know, our different ways of dealing with that. And, uh, and the, the whole family dynamic is, is, is a a lot and a lot of, it's a big challenge. And of course there's underlying, you know, my own stuff and which, how much of this is a silent burden to carry? And therapy is wonderful. Yoga, meditating, journaling has been explorative. I love all of that. I love the people I'm with. But it's like uh, all these issues colliding have turned to isolation. And you know, undeniably, like me asking for support of like getting off of social media 
or is 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 leading to isolation and i feel like i missed an opportunity for a lot of love uh i have with this love of mine and there's a lot of feelings about that you know guilt shame i think a lot about brene brown and what that would be like to just let it all you know flow out and it's challenging with a partner you know because i have strong feelings that come up uh and I feel like, uh, yeah, it's challenging to think about the future with my partner. But what if, you know, and then what if I could, could let all this go and let them be who they are and trust them with my heart uh, and get past all of the past uh, stuff that's happened? And then if, if researches what resurfaces, what do I do if it does? I love you so much, and I hope it touches you too. Thank you, Bunny. Okay, this is Drew. I'm going to probably insert myself a little bit more on this one um, because I identify with a lot here uh, in this one, too, um, and particularly my own personal. This is a, a lot of this uh, relates to my own personal journeys. And I, I, I know I put a warning at the top of this episode. So, yeah, and this will be me probably offering some of you heard some of my story in older episodes. And so, yeah, I'm going to keep it short, but. There is a lot to identify with here. And Bunny, this is Bunny's answer. Hey, love, thank you for your heartfelt vulnerability. It sounds to me like you need to cut yourself some slack here. You've been incredibly hard on yourself for the fact that you need healing. Everyone needs healing. And you've been through an abusive relationship and used alcohol and, and, and other things as coping mechanisms because you couldn't see a way out. And that became a pattern of unhealthy soothing, which had harmful consequences. And now you realize you deserve better than that. And you're also in therapy and doing the work of meditation and journaling. And I know all this can feel emotionally overwhelming. To be having all these realizations, to see your own issues, to realize your triggers, and at the same time, not have essential control over them. But baby, you are human and this stuff isn't easy. I want you to find more patience and self-compassion. I want you to repeat these words. My triggers are not my fault. My wounds are not my fault. I am healing myself. I am loving. I am strong. I am enough. We live in a world that is very much in need of healing because of uh, because abuse and greed and our learned, hier- hier- learned hierarchical beliefs, or bunnies is LHBs for short, have created generations upon generations of misguided disempowerment. To put it simply, we don't know our own worth. And that feeling of lack can have extremely harmful consequences when left unchecked. You are like the rest of us on a path of awakening from this sleep, the sleep of unworthiness. And awakening is not an easy process. It is hard, very, very hard to start actually witnessing yourself. To be accountable to your mistakes, to realize you've hurt people. To want to do better, not because you need to do better, but because you want your behavior to reflect your true self and not your wounds. What you need to stop doing is making all this stuff, all these things you talked about in your voice memo, who you are. When we start having these realizations, it's really easy to start looking at ourselves in the mirror and identify with our past and the hard times uh, from the past. I am this hurt person. I am a triggered person. 
I've suffered from others' bad behavior. But this is exactly why it's hard for you right now to see a way out. A part of you is like, well, I now realize this is just who I am. It is not. Your triggers are moments of temporary fear. They will always pass. They are not out to get you either. They are pointing out the places where you're still wounded and that you can tend to tend to that wound. Your body and mind are reacting, but you are the witness to that. And you have compassion for those parts of yourself while at the same time trust you are in the process of lessening their power. Every time you forgive yourself for acting out of your triggers in a way that you want to change, you lessen their power. Now, about your relationship, you said you want to trust your partner. Well, that doesn't just happen one day, like I trust them now so I can let them talk to whoever they want or I won't look at their phone. No, it's they can talk to whoever they want. I won't look at their phone and I will work on my trust issues with my therapist, in my journaling and in my meditation. Because your trust issues are your own wounds and not your partner's. And your partner is not responsible for healing them for you. They can't love your wounds away, no matter what they do, no matter who they do talk to or don't talk to. Only you can do that. This isn't about them proving themselves to be trustworthy. It's about you allowing yourself to be loved by them. Receiving love takes vulnerability. If you're not in a place where you're able to be okay with your partner having healthy boundaries and friendships, then I think taking some time to focus on your own healing is the path forward. In relationships, you are either in or out. But something is telling me you're really emotional right now because in your heart, you already know what you need to make this, make this relationship work. You realize you're actually capable of it, and that, you know, it's just it's hard. You've opened your, the door on your own healing, and you can't go back now. Growing takes courage. Love takes courage. Trust takes courage. Healing takes courage. Remind yourself that you're absolutely capable because you're already doing it. I want you to keep going and believe in yourself. Okay, this is Drew inserting himself here. Um, so you identify with a lot in the call and in the answer. And I actually learned a lot because, uh, you know, I've been struggling with, yeah, like uh, um, trying to, to work on my own higher self and my interpersonal relationships and what I bring to those interpersonal relationships. And kind of like I talked with the last answer, like living for me, like I have a, a disease of perception, right? Uh, where I have a problem with perception. I and mean, again, I'm only speaking for myself, Drew here. And so I have to, like kind of Bunny said, find some other place when those thoughts and feelings come up. And sometimes, and Bunny kind of laid out a very specific way to deal with that, to say, okay, you're having these thoughts, but they're not based in reality. Like I can try to be compassionate for that little kid in me or that scared part of me that just wishes one day if I could do this, this, or this, things would be different. Or I like, like, uh, if I could just change, you know, my, my, I'll go into the lack stuff and in, in next, but if I could change all that stuff, uh, or fix it, or if I could just be somebody else or be not my higher self, uh, if, but if I could be something else, some different self, like less wounded or whatever, 
then, you know, I'd be, I'd be okay, which just isn't true because all of that is my own internal fiction. And again, I'm only speaking for myself. I'm not giving anybody any advice. I just want to share with what I'm identifying with. And so there's that piece. Another piece for me, and I'm not speaking towards the caller, but for anybody that will connect with this, um, because the caller did not identify as an alcoholic, but I am alcoholic. And and I say that because there's a difference between abusing alcohol and being an alcoholic. And you kind of go on a journey, another journey of discovering that for yourself in the healing process and getting better. And when Bunny said lack, like a lot of times when I share about my alcoholism with other alcoholics or people struggling to get sober, that's one of the things that comes up for me is like this lack that I've always had. And that's such an apt word. It's one of the words I do use to describe how it, what it was like for me and like what it's still like for me and how it wasn't what made me an alcoholic, but it was one of the things alcohol did for me was to make me numb to that lack and give me some ease and comfort in the face of that lack or to step to the side of it. Um, uh, it, it didn't make it better. Clearly it made things worse and it came with a lot of consequences and a lot, a lot of unli- life unlived and of not being my higher self or even a, like, uh, of making my world about, uh, providing me ease and comfort. And for me, like, like, uh, 12 step recovery has been a big part of that. And it has never like, uh, it's not easy, like kind of Bunny says with some of the other stuff, uh, and and I'm going through that process again, and that's something that's pretty easy to find wherever you are and online nowadays. But um, for me, working the twelve steps of recovery uh, with someone else, uh, it has really like changed my life. And and maybe if you listen to the show you may have noticed, uh, or maybe not, but like, uh, even during the pandemic, my life outside of the show has changed because, uh, because of that, of returning to saying, Hey, I have to actively be working on this. And again, in the spirit of what, what is my higher self? I want to have, I want to live in the present moment and be available uh, to be compassionate and care for myself or, or have this higher self that's there for me and for other people in acceptance and love. Like, that's really kind of the, what I'm looking for. And for me, that's only one of the things. I also meditate. I journal. I work with a therapist. I, I, I have quiet moments. I talk to my higher power. All those things. Um, uh, but for me also, it is for me essential. Um, like, uh, I don't know. And it's always worth discovering again, like you can try paths and see where they go. But so anybody that's identifying with what I'm talking about, like, I cannot uh, tell you, like, if you're struggling with that kind of stuff, that the, the 12 steps of recovery, um, really, uh, have, have, uh, changed my life too. And it is one more set of actions I guess, versus my thoughts and feelings, kind of like these other things that Bonnie's offering are actions you can take in the moment. And that's just one more set of actions I I have on a daily basis I can take when my thoughts and my feelings come up to say, okay, I'm not like, I'm okay. And my higher self is there to accept me as I am. 
but like, so I don't identify with my thoughts or my feelings as who I am. Like in that I can also identify with my actions or my higher self. So a little bit of a big Drew insertion there, but uh, it's really been important to me to share about sobriety in any way I can, because uh, I know it's something that's out there. And you can always reach out to me through the website form on the podcast the podcast website um, if you're struggling with that. Uh, and that also isn't, that's just my identification. Again, I'm not projecting it onto the pers- the, the answers or the, the, the questions. It's just uh, what I identified with in like uh, some of the, the past, uh, I don't know, just what I identified with and some of the stuff that's actually changed my life. Okay, so the next caller, it comes in. Hey, Bunny, I was calling because I had a question. I don't really know if a lot of people feel the same way. But I think it'd be really helpful to get some insight on it. I'm the type of person who's very spiritual, does a lot of spiritual practices. I'm able to lucid dream, astral project pretty much whenever I want to, which is fun. But sometimes I feel a bit blindsided, maybe. I'll have dreams sometimes, like pretty meaningful or they have meaning to it. And I have a tendency to believe absolutely everything I dream about. Or for another example, I tend to believe like every tarot reading I get, I don't know. I don't know if gullible is the right word, but maybe just not trusting myself fully when I have a dream or when I have a terror reading or when someone gives an opinion about me, I'll believe it. And then I'll nitpick it and try to find the truth or obsess over it and it can take over my mood. And I don't like living that way. But I don't know how to retrain my brain not to believe like uh, absolutely every dream I have and every terror poll I get. And I just want some guidance with that and know how to trust myself uh, so that little things like that, you know, aren't as so much of a challenge and I'm not overthinking it throughout the day. Thank you. So I definitely identify this, particularly with the dreams or other people's opinions and then that causing spiraling thinking. This is Drew talking. Um, that is definitely a challenge for me. And I love the answer here. I guess I'm front loading it because I have that same issue with the dreams and meaning. And Bunny gives us this spectacular thing that's so helpful to me. Because, again, if you heard my last answer, it's all about me. You know, that's one of the things we struggle with between our higher, I struggle with, uh, between my higher self and my ego and all that other stuff is uh, I want it to be less about me. But, uh, you know, so I'm laughing because it's just so. So funny how enabled to spend it about me. Okay, this is Bunny's answer. Well, you know, it's understandable that you're searching for guidance. Uh, that's not a bad thing. It's great to get terror readings. It's great to examine your dreams and all of these. Those are practices that can help you be more in touch with who you are beyond this human form and get more into your spirit. The thing is, though, the goal of a spiritual practice isn't to know everything. It's to be okay in the unknown. It is to be present with who you are right now and to fully love and accept yourself. So although tarot can help you get a glimpse of your path in the future, help you understand some of your past, the real intent of it, which is the intent of all spiritual practice, is to find inner peace through the awareness of love, through the realization that you lack for nothing and that you are whole and a part of a divinely interconnected universe. Your reality is a reflection of your state of consciousness. So if you go into a tarot reading and the consciousness of you needing some answers in order for you to accept yourself, 
you're going to project all of your fears and lack onto that tarot reading. And if you go into a tarot reading grounded in your higher self, the knowledge that you are whole and loved by the universe just how you are, then you will experience the reading as just another message of love. Each card awakening more acceptance of who you are, including the things you are still working through, including your wounds, including your gifts, including every aspect of what makes you, you. Lucid dreaming and astral projection are also reflections of your state of consciousness and self-acceptance. For example, if you're interpreting a dream, that interpretation can be from the perspective of your higher self or from the perspective of your ego, your learned hierarchical beliefs. So what if you were lucid dreaming and you saw a rose in a vase and it was dying and the petals were falling on the floor? Okay, that's a strong symbol. Now, if you interpret meaning onto your symbol, your state of consciousness could create totally two different meanings. If you are not grounded in your higher self, the knowledge that you are enough and you have always been, you might see this rose as a future loss and that can make you feel troubled and afraid that you're going to lose something, and that could be devastating to your sense of self. But because your higher self knows you are whole and loved, your higher self would interpret that symbol as losing what no longer serves you. Do you see how those two interpretations can make you feel completely different about yourself and your future? My point is that we are so focused on figuring ourselves out that we forget our spiritual journey is guiding us to simply be one with love. That is the source that connects all these practices and all these modalities. If you get too caught up in the tools to get there, then you will miss the goal. You know, gifts like uh, astral projection or tarot or other forms of magic doesn't make you more aligned with love. Anyone can use magic for whatever intent they see fit. Magic in service of the ego happens all the time. Someone's opinion can be in service of their ego. That is why focusing on connecting to your higher self through meditation or journaling or whatever ritual feels right for you will keep you in the right state of mind to use what helps you love yourself and leave the rest. You can trust in your own guidance. That's definitely a message I needed to hear. Uh, So I don't really have anything to add other than there's so much there for me uh, and maybe some of you to take, uh, I don't know, like... uh, but even the dream stuff was saying, oh, is this like, is this dream my interpretation of it in service of my ego and what I want now that might bring me something in the future? Or what if it's from my higher self? Because uh, I had some powerful dreams lately and it's like, oh, from that perspective, maybe it's not about my lack and my need and this filling my lack um, and could be more about compassion and love. Uh, in service or whatever. Okay, the following questions from email. Uh, this is a question again. Um, hey, Bunny, hope you're well. Love watching your Instagram stories. You, your partner, and your friends building your new home. So excited. I'm married to someone I love, and the true love is is scary. I've never been in a relationship was that was so emotionally available, supportive, compassionate, or affectionate. I haven't had great relationships in the past. Uh, and uh, a couple of my past relationships have ended in, in a tough time. But these happened so long ago that those relationships seem to be coming up in my marriage and my dreams. And having experienced those, you know, I've developed trust issues and trust with my partner. And I feel like I'm not giving them all of me. 
And I keep having these tough dreams uh, about my romantic relationship, and I can't seem to shake them. They've popped up here and there over the two years. But this week, they keep coming up again and again and again. And I tell my partner about the dreams, and it makes them tough on them. And they usually reassure me and listen to me. And it kind of feels silly that my dreams are affecting me, but they are. And I don't know what to do to help. If you have any recommendations, that would be amazing. And Bunny has another great answer. You know, the things about dreams is we only tend to put importance on the ones that scare us. So, like, if you dreamt about eating ice cream nude on the moon for the past four or five nights, you wouldn't be writing me saying, Bunny, what does this mean? Our minds are very powerful. Our imaginations are endless. And so when we dream, we can experience a whole spectrum of realities, both pleasant and unpleasant. What I think will help you is to stop putting so much importance on those dreams. Yeah, you have a subconscious that shows its face. Uh, but that is not who you are or a testament to what your future holds. It's uh, like uh, like uh, the, the thoughts we have throughout our day. Take, for example, our insecure, jealous thoughts, uh, our untrusting thoughts you experience. Uh, we have a choice to, to take those thoughts at face value or to observe them with the understanding. Okay, there's a reason why you thought them, but that doesn't mean you have to believe them. You give them their power over you. You don't have to be afraid of them. It's wonderful that your partner is so supportive and reassuring, but be aware of making this an issue unnecessarily. The truth is you do trust your partner. You wouldn't have married them if you didn't. And yeah, there's still stuff from the past, but don't sell yourself short on how much you've grown. You know you can trust them no matter what your dreams are. And I don't want your partner to interpret these dreams as you not trusting them. If you didn't trust them, you wouldn't be in this relationship. You wouldn't be giving them the love that they're receiving. You wouldn't be vulnerable with them. You wouldn't be happy right now. You wouldn't be saying this marriage is true love, right? All of the vulnerability and honesty that you've given this relationship is a tangible testament to how much you've grown and how much you trust your partner. So don't create a problem where there isn't one. Bad dreams happen. You know, I have dreams that are tough too, but are they true? Most likely not. Does it suck? Yes. Do I have control over what I dream? No. Do I have to let them get me down and stoke my fears? No. One thing you could practice saying is, which is something I do when I've been in a phase of having bad dreams in a row. Before I go to sleep, I say, I am safe. I am loved. Dreams can't hurt me. And that really helps me be at peace. And I notice it helps me have a more peaceful sleep. You can call in the help of your higher self. You can call in the help of your inner love and your inner light. No matter what comes your way, you are protected through love and that's your power. You are not weak. You are strong and your strength is within you. I'm wishing you the best in your marriage and your relationship and your happiness. Enjoy it, you know. Just enjoy what you are. And don't put too much importance onto your fears. We all have them. We all have fears. We all have wounds. But it doesn't have to define us, okay? Say your affirmations before you sleep, and it'll be very helpful. All right, the next one is a call coming in. Hi, Bunny. Uh, thank you so much for your beautiful podcast. It really is a, truly such an uplifting experience to listen to. I'm calling in because I guess my question is that I tend to be a very busy person. I always have a lot of creative projects going on. I'm the type of the person who would rather work like four-time freelance, four part, four part-time or freelance jobs rather than put my all my energy in one project. 
And I do find I flourish more under these conditions, but I also tend to notice that I'm trying to keep all these things in balance constantly because there's always so much going on. And I enjoy the multitasking and like the creativity of it, but I'm also finding that it might be, I might kind of be adding on more all the times as a mean of escaping free time, if that makes sense. So part of me always craves free time, but when I have it, I just fill it with more projects or collaborations with people, which is exciting. But sometimes I just miss having the chance to sit there and, you know, just see what uh, like uh, feel like doing, like reading a book or taking a nap. I just feel like I don't ever have time for any of that stuff. And I'm wondering, I guess, uh, how to find a happy medium where you're a creative person who thrives on this multitasking lifestyle, but still have the time for stillness and quiet and peace. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Bunny's answer comes in. I can totally relate to this as a person who has always wanted to be busy and doing creative things and working with other people and having new projects online. The way I look at creativity or artistic expression is that everyone is a channel for their divine creative energy. And the art and projects and ideas we produce are shaped by our experiences as an individual. But it is essentially the same divine creative energy that we all channel. It's just our stuff ends up looking different because we were we are different and we've had different experiences and we can have differences in opinions and perspectives. So when I remember that, even though I make art or I use my creativity or to write or draw or whatever I'm doing, I'm not doing it alone. I'm just a channel. It is coming from another realm of consciousness, the same realm that is the creative force of the universe. Creativity is a spiritual practice, and so when we don't take the time to be in stillness or quiet our minds and even just rest, we are missing out on that sacred time where we plug into that divine source, where we reconnect with the part of us that is connected to this one divine consciousness, our spirit, our higher selves, or whatever word you want to use. Being still makes you more present and awakened to the blessings and inspiration that is around you. Being still helps you uh, become more aware of your thinking and less caught up in it. It gives you perspective and you become a witness to your own journey. Our minds are just a tool for us to get from point A to point B. We cannot function without our thoughts. We can also get caught up in them. So caught up, we lose touch with who we are beyond our thoughts. That's why meditation is so important. It's, It's a practice to become the witness to your thoughts to observe them, and then to try to quiet them. Those practices help you throughout the day, even when you are not meditating, to be more present in the moment. And that's when you can create more purely. You're not caught up in self-judgment or ego or comparison. You just have to be fully present to be that channel for creativity, that channel that recognizes you don't need to be anyone but yourself. You know, it's a myth that there's no such thing as good art or bad art uh, because art and creativity is self-expression. And the reason why we continue to to judge art is good or bad is because of our learned hierarchical beliefs. It's uh, because we see human worth as something, as being more worthy, some human beings as being more worthy than others. But if we recognize that everybody's voice mattered, that everybody's experience mattered, that everybody was worthy, we would see the beauty in everybody's creations. That doesn't mean you have to want everybody's wall art uh, hanging on your wall. 
because we do relate to things more than other things. Uh, but, you know, if there's really something you're drawn to, it's because you can relate to it. It's because you can rec- recognize a familiarity in the piece. It touches a part of you that feels very personal and you feel moved by somebody else's work. Being moved or inspired by somebody's work that is moving or inspiring to you, it doesn't mean others is bad. So my point is that rest and stillness are so important for you, not just for your mental, emotional, and spiritual health, which is absolutely vital to your happiness, but it is immensely important for your creative practice. So the next time you're debating, oh, and I really relaxed right now, uh, now I should get still, should I take a break? Tell yourself I need to give myself what I need, what I need. It will help me in every aspect of my life. I identified with a lot in there, but I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going to move on to the next call because it was just so good. I don't need to add anything. Uh, this is another caller. Uh, Bun- Hi, Bunny. I recently discovered the show and I love it, but I'm a person who struggles with BPD. And I know a lot of people who don't struggle with this. But even though these months of being alone with myself, I find I really don't know who I am. And I was wondering if you had any ways for me to connect with my sense of self. That would be great. Thank you. And then Bunny comes in, and if you're with me, this is really, like, there's some really powerful answers, but this one is really powerful, right? Well, you haven't heard it yet, so I'm saying it. Uh, I really identified with the answer, and I'm going to carry, this is going to carry us out to the end of the episode. So this is Bunny. Oh, that was Drew speaking. Sorry. This is Bunny. One of the surest signs that you were getting to know yourself on a deeper level is when you feel like you have no idea who you are anymore. Because what is happening is the parts of you that used to define yourself are no longer sufficient. I have a meme that says, me, I don't know who I am anymore. And then your higher self says, you're just so much more than you thought you were. The truth is, no words can fully describe who we are. On one level, if someone asks you, who are you? You might say, my name is blah, blah, blah. I work at blah, blah, blah. I'm blah blah years old. My ethnicity is blah, blah. I deal with this uh, mental health diagnosis. I dealt with this in childhood. My goals are this. And the list goes on and on and on. On the surface level, those things, our personality, our psychological traits, we can use to define us. But do they encapsulate the wholeness of who we are? No, they don't. Because on a deeper level, we are spirits having a human experience. We have been sent here in the form of these bodies to bring more love into the world. How do we do that? By realizing that love is truly who we are. When we identify with our higher selves, i.e. our spirit, we are making conscious that truth. We are bringing love into the world by becoming more conscious of love's presence. How do we do that? We use all of our human experiences, our trauma, illnesses, suffering, privileges, emotions, experiences, our thoughts. We use them as a portal, an opening to our own self-realization, the place of being with capital B. We are like, what do you mean I'm love? I need something concrete, something tangible to hold on to. I need proof of who I am. Did you know that we see the shapes, the form, like the chair I'm sitting on or the phone you're listening to? What you see as a solid shape is actually a projection of your thoughts. You don't actually see the chair. You see all of your past experiences and judgments of the chair, where it came from, how it got there. 
if it's pretty or not, if you want a new chair, in order to fully see the chair, you have to be completely present in the now. You have to see it as itself and not how you relate to it. It's the same with knowing ourselves. We just have to be present with ourselves, not to find the words that truly define us, but just be with ourselves, the place where words can't sum it up. The more you do that, just get quiet and be. You will feel who you truly are. And when something like the past couple of years happens, when the things we used to identify with are suddenly in question, it's like a jolt, a shot of energy in the direction of being. Now we are confronted with something deeper, something magical, something indescribable, something unnameable. I use the term higher self because it's a higher level of awareness, but those words higher self will never come close to the actual experience of what higher self is. That is who you are. You are witness to the experience. It's not anything to be afraid of. It's not something to do right or do wrong. It just simply is. And when you surrender to it, it is the safety you are longing for. So this is Scooter. I just drew saying thank you to Bunny. Thank you to everybody that wrote in and called into Bunny's show. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope this, I hope that some of you related and, and, and got some comfort and maybe even some actionable steps, uh, out of this, uh, uh, good night. Uh, good night, everybody. Thanks.